I'm Dora, and for today's episode, we watched Inception. <laughs> That's a good. Um, yeah, that Inception sounds <laughs> <laughs> You know. Anyway, so if you are listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, I would recommend to stop listening and go watch it because it's a movie that you don't really want to be spoiled for. But if you're like, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, like, like um, just in general, if you haven't seen a movie we're talking about, then it's usually a good idea to yeah, watch it. Yeah, it's probably it. a good idea to watch it. But um, <laughs> Not to give you homework you or anything, know. but... <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's it takes the movie takes place in kind of this um, world where it is possible to share dreams with people in kind of like lucid dreaming style. Um, And so it's basically a heist movie that takes place in various people's dream worlds. And it's probably as good of an explanation as I'm going to be able to give because it's it's, not the most straightforward movie, but it's kind of a weird trip, (laughs) you know. I do. I have a very specific agenda with this movie. Like, there's a certain thing I really want to talk about. But um, all right, so Late on me. basically, I don't know if you've heard this uh, analogy, but or this theory, I guess. But the idea is that Inception is a metaphor for filmmaking. Like, have you heard that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, all the characters are different like roles. So of course, Cobb is the director. Ariadne would be the writer. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's the producer. Uh, so on and so forth. Eames, actor, like you can break it down. Um, yeah, but yeah. so that being said, um, if this movie is, oh my god, <laughs> I apologize to everyone. I'm not cutting this out. This is gonna exist. I'm gonna know my struggle with your dogs. With my dogs. <laughs> Shut up! I'm talking about Inception. You're ruining a brilliant theory. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna keep talking. Um, so it, the idea is, if this movie is an analogy or a metaphor for filmmaking, um, it implies a certain responsibility of the filmmaker uh, mm-hmm. to say that we, because Cobb's implant implanted an idea or incepted an idea into his wife and killed her essentially. And so I, I honestly think that Christopher Nolan made this movie with the Joker in mind and the shootings that happened because of him and that character he created and just that kind of Mm -hmm. guilt he felt. Um, So I guess the question from that I could say is like, do we think that filmmakers and artists in general have a certain like social responsibility to not encourage certain behaviors and mm-hmm. you know where does free speech play into that and like what if you didn't even realize that you implanted a bad idea you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's a moment in the yeah. movie where ariadne talks to him and she's like what she did is not your fault but he did implant the idea so that's like kind of the discussion i wanted right. to have is like do filmmakers that's have this responsibility and yeah yeah I mean, I, th- I think that's really interesting. I definitely, when I was kind of poking around um, online after I watched the movie again to kind of um, get some ideas going, I definitely did run across people talking about it being like a metaphor for filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting because I definitely did see an interview with Christopher Nolan where somebody asked him that specifically and he said that, that he didn't directly go out to do something like that. Mm-hmm. As like he didn't directly set out to do that kind of a metaphor, but that he could definitely see how like he's influenced by 
you know, kind of the art of filmmaking in that sense. Sure. So I think it's, I think it's certainly something that like he could have maybe, I, not necessarily right. like unintentionally, maybe it was a but subconscious like it was definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm still sticking no, by but my I, theory. I, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's, it's totally like I think it's totally plausible. I mean, it's a very like yeah. it, it's very easy to find the direct comparison right. between because well, if you look um, at like uh, the Matrix too, not to make another movie, but like yeah. there's so many references. Like it's just like yeah. blatant an obvious reference to like the Bible and Jesus and all this stuff. And you ask the Wachowski sisters um, about it, yeah, and, and they're, they're like, like "No, like <laughs> you're seeing like they literally say like, oh, you're just seeing that on yeah. your own. You're projecting that." And it's like, okay, but like <laughs> it's definitely yeah. I mean, like, people, what people are, are picking up from this. So yeah, people are definitely influenced by certain things, and I I certainly can imagine like at Christopher Nolan's level and kind of that knowing that he's a very uh, like. M- m- meticulous mm-hmm. filmmaker but certainly like like a filmmaker's filmmaker i guess um yeah he's very anyway. deep. <laughs> like honestly yeah yeah <laughs> but i could i could definitely see how he would how that could um how he could be influenced by those kinds of sure. things but um but anyway back to uh, to the question of like if um if filmmakers have kind of a larger social responsibility um you know i'm i guess my my in my opinion or whatever but um i i think that the answer to that is yes that they do have a responsibility but it's it's a complicated question Mm -hmm. i mean in the sense that you want there to be diverse art and you want there to be um you know like a you want there to be many different perspectives and opinions on things like you want those to be accessible to people but um i think it's important to realize uh, well because i i see this argument come up in free speech a lot um like when people are, this, this is kind of extrapolating, but like when people make horrible opinions mm-hmm. it's public free or when they say, I can say shitty shit yeah. if I want to. <laughs> well, like, yeah, yeah, can, it's, but... um, <laughs> it's, it's not, people have to understand that these things don't exist in a vacuum in the sense that, um, if, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, just to use like a, like a more direct real life example, um, Holocaust deniers, mm. uh, they try to get their platform heard at, university specifically like that's a that's a definite thing that they do because they know that um their hateful message is going to like they have a better chance of getting it heard to kind of a certain demographic and what happens is that um when they approach campuses or like they want to they say that i want to come here to to show my platform people will say things like well it's within their their free speech to be able to spout off whatever kind of you know ridiculous horrible opinion that they have sure but the problem is that you have to understand that these, these don't like pe- the people listening to these opinions. Like it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like the average person is not going to listen to somebody and go, "Well, let me, like you know, carefully analyze and you know try to understand where this person's coming from." And like if you don't yeah. provide a, if you don't provide like context for these specific opinions, like somebody who already has like a, you know, uh, like a preconceived preconceived racism basically like somebody who already is kind of moving in that direction in terms of their thinking they're going to hear that opinion and it's just going to confirm their belief because they're seeing somebody who's able to spout off these opinions on kind of like a like a raised platform yeah Um, yeah anyway so that that, in in like a very like long Mm. way of me saying what i'm trying to say um, um thanks yeah it's a like i think that artists have a responsibility to make sure that they're that they're being honest in what they're in their art. I mean, like right. if you but isn't like honesty is kind like of if like, you're not if it's honest. Yeah, to like me, if you're not, not necessarily. Yeah, 
like you're not like like if you have an agenda behind your art that's fine that but you have to be honest with people about what your agenda is because you don't want to misrepresent things i mean i i'm trying to i can struggling to find specific examples but i know you know movies that present minorities in certain ways that when when people like you know when people of color go to watch those movies and then they say you've vastly misrepresented my identity and then the art you know the the filmmaker whatever says things like well that that wasn't my intention you're just misreading things into that it's like but that's that's dishonest because you're not owning up to the fact that you haven't like this had this effect on that person regardless of your intention which yeah yeah Um, and so i think that it's like if you're if you're clear about what you're trying to do um you know like if you're clear about the fact that you're trying to provoke um discussion about particular uh you know events or perspectives or whatever that's you know that's understandable and that's good we want diverse thinking but i think that you you don't want to get it like like you should be aware that people are going to respond to your art like it doesn't like you can't just say things and then as soon as somebody like criticizes you be like well that's just my opinion or that's just you know i have free speech that's that's cheap and that's not a right great way to be anyway i don't know if that was answering your yeah, question no, no, no. I, I think it's uh yeah it's well put like i think the free speech thing is interesting because people say oh like i have free speech and it's like well i'm not like putting you in jail for what you just said i'm just criticizing mm-hmm. what you said there's like a big difference like you still have your free speech yeah exactly but, um i think i guess my struggle with this thing is like if a, a filmmaker is a, a racist bigot or you know some other thing that the general population would deem not acceptable um and mm-hmm. they they are um I guess held like if they make a movie about that and they're kind of like held to a social responsibility so to speak if we enforce that social responsibility then like I feel like nothing changes they're still a racist bigot they just keep it down low you mean like they don't express it so then in that case like we can't even respond to it like we can't tell them like why they're wrong we can't like offer a different opinion because they just are not really allowed to even like express their own if that makes sense and so i i wonder if like yeah. in that sense maybe it's even uh, re- what's the word regressive to like not let like bullies mm-hmm. speak but i understand like also like you know if you tell a rape joke for example like there could very well be a rapist in the audience who like in his mind is like okay i feel a little mm-hmm. better about myself or like i justify that through that so i feel like exactly. it's such a yeah a complicated like i still have not like decided my opinion on it because i go back and forth all the time yeah. like <laughs> like uh, yeah know. i think I th- yeah i think maybe what i don't know if, if this is what you're kind of you're thinking of but i think that that's a that's something that comes up a, a lot in censorship arguments right. like what's the difference between just telling somebody you can't say that and just like stop and it's not even telling them that it's just not letting people say things sure. um like i think we just need to teach and I think you it's to like, think, you know <laughs> yeah good luck with that but (laughs) have a a reasoning for your argument and then be open to other reasons and but i oh yeah but i think the problem i think the problem is that um that most people don't critically think about these things exactly so you can't um like i think in an ideal situation people would be allowed to pretty much say whatever they want to say and that people would respond to that by you know reflecting and Mm -hmm. understanding full context being defensive or 
<laughs> yeah, but the reality is that people aren't like that. So I think that that's why we lead into why I think that's why we go into censorship because it's like, well, if we can't get people to listen to terrible things and realize that they're terrible, then it's better to just not have them say terrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I but I I agree, and I think that's interesting. That then that kind of goes into well, like how do you move beyond just censoring people into like educating them? Right. Yeah. And that's where I get into kind of like I think um, I think providing like a platform for like critical thinking is imperative um and kind of like like you have to have people and individuals and organizations like go out of their way to educate people Mm -hmm. and it's like it's exhausting and it can't be expected of every individual but i think that it's important to yeah like i think ethics and moral classes should be taught at younger levels like just general like thinking things i feel like this the education system is kind of failing us in the sense where like we're regurgitating Mm -hmm. information but we don't really know how to think or like why those things are you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i feel like that was my main issue in school and then i got to college Mm -hmm. i like started to like realize oh like if i if i apply rationale i don't know it was just like i didn't realize i was thoughtful until i got to college and that was like a big Mm -hmm. um benefit whereas like in high school they just want you to regurgitate what they told you you know right well it's interesting because i specifically remember in high school like a lot of my teachers and classes saying we're teaching you how to critically think because that's what you're going to need in college mm-hmm. but the reality is that we weren't taught how to critically no, we think weren't in at school all. <laughs> it needs to be ta- yeah and it's something that needs to be taught at a much younger age because what happens is that by the time kids get to high school they are so burnt out on kind of like these standardized standardized testing environments and kind of like you get things just beaten into you quite literally almost and so it's like you know Mm -hmm. oh we get to high school and now all of a sudden you guys are interested in like teaching us to be well-rounded like thoughtful individuals and it's like by that point you've just killed (laughs) our sense of creativity and imagination it's not like everyone can afford college either so only certain people are granted that which is i think I think everyone should have that uh, ability. I had never really put much thought into what kind of an impact um, the Aurora shooting specifically, but maybe right on him. also Heath, Heath Ledger's death. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's, um, you know, I remember when it happened that it was just kind of like, if, for me, I interpreted it as not that movies influence individuals, but that it was a unhinged individual using an excuse right to which i mean you still make harm the, to other people the same case for the rape joke uh, thing i mentioned earlier it's like it's not necessarily yeah. like the intent of that comedian or you know and i'm sure most sane people would not hear that and be like oh yeah i should rape somebody now but if mm-hmm. you know to be able to use like little that, things to justify yeah. their shitty behavior <laughs> yeah exactly and so, and, um, i mean it's also like how do you predict what's going to make someone feel okay about that you know what i mean like the brain is yeah weird. i don't know it's, <laughs> yeah i mean that it's it's you know like another argument that i people make a lot is like video game violence i guess or mm-hmm. like kind of like what what are the things that are going to lead what are good you know could possibly trigger individuals into certain types of behavior or whatever and it it's interesting because i think that um i mean i think violence and i think those kinds of things have been like around like i think i mean personally i think the argument that like we as a human race are becoming slowly desensitized to violence is it's possible and it's it's interesting and i wouldn't necessarily say that that's a direct result of like video games or sure 
film in particular, but I, it, you know, I think it would be pretty easy to say that there's a trend in media, but at the same time, like, it's an easy scapegoat for people to use for a lack of education, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's easy to say that, oh, well, it's, you know, kids these days have access to violent things on the internet, you know, versus we as a, as a society don't take the time to educate what's right yeah. and morally and from what I understand, isn't it like so. i mean i might i might be wrong on this so if anyone actually listens and ends up being like you're wrong <laughs> but like i'm pretty sure that murder rates are like significantly down from our parents time and our grandparents time like we are at the lowest crime rate like in history i'm pretty sure um yeah and I so mean, that's I interesting to have, have more no access to like but... violent um you know, seeing violent things or whatever, but I think mm-hmm. maybe it's like helped. Maybe it's been an outlet. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the things about both video games and movies and such and such is like when we really look at these films, we, you know, we have like these visceral reactions to them, right? And like, I hear a lot of people, like, I remember when I had my classes, they'd be like, oh, I didn't like this part or I liked this part. And it would be like, okay, mm-hmm. why? And most of the time, we don't think about that. So feel like right, we, there's a yeah. reason Call of Duty, for example, is so popular. Like, what do we like so much about being in war and shooting people and like just playing <laughs> that role? Um, yeah, like, yeah. What I mean, is it? What I'm is it? Like, why do we yeah. like it? <laughs> I mean, I'm specifically the wrong person to ask about that because I don't like those kinds of games. No, I don't but, either. I mean, but... <laughs> I, I mean, but to be fair, like, I enjoy Skyrim. I enjoy sword games okay so maybe yeah, i don't enjoy shooting like, people with yeah, guns exactly. but i like enjoy shooting with people sword. with arrows yeah <laughs> so it's like that isn't really that different but um yeah i don't know i i, I guess yeah i honestly i don't know the answer to that um, yeah because it's like it's different for everything right so like inception yeah like, there's just something like yeah i guess to get back to the movie there's something really pleasing <laughs> about like this the dream right and you can create whatever you want and then the yeah, implication that this could have consequences it's not just like a fun outside of that world. yeah yeah i think that that's that's an interesting metaphor like that f- that's an interesting metaphor for the movie that i've honestly never thought about that it's you know in the movie you have these dream worlds that then you know the characters experience consequences outside of that mm-hmm. because of what happened in the dreams and then into a certain extent yeah that's a really interesting metaphor for kind of how we interact with um media and art right yeah exactly huh. it's like i've never thought about that before yeah and it's like even just like you know it's like there's a reason that we censor things right like hitler burned mm-hmm. books and yeah you know they have they have ideas they make us think um I think yeah, yeah and it's it's a I mean I think it's a way of controlling people in some regards but it's also I mean right and I yeah I don't I mean I don't know to what extent the Nazis were thinking along the lines of like well if we don't you know if we don't limit people's perspectives they're going to I mean yeah. you know like I think they were just trying to create a very specific type of person but sure, yeah you know I think to a certain extent like like you want to you want to expose people to kind of what are to good influences but then again that gets into like who's deciding what are the good influences right well that's I the guess. thing is like only yeah. so few companies and so few people are making film and mm-hmm. uh, you know again to get to the social yeah, the social justice a... aspect of it a yeah. lot of them are white men like i think hollywood specifically is like mm-hmm. you know they're they're obviously they're moving in the right direction and you know mm-hmm. great um but you know the corporations and and stuff it's all them telling the stories and it's all them telling us like what we value and what our culture is okay with and Mm -hmm. yeah it's you know are they molding us i don't know like i i there's 
there's little to say that media has like a really strong direct influence on us you know what i mean like the studies yeah. have shown that like specifically whenever there was this outbreak of um people worrying about violence i believe it was in the 50s and people who studied um sociology and so on and so forth uh things that were like valid in that field who probably have valid opinions on that they basically said like if you want less violence you should bring more education to like the poor communities and specifically mm -hmm. mostly like black communities um latino communities places where they weren't getting a good education and then people were basically like that's too much money we're gonna focus on violence yeah, and media exactly. instead and so that yeah. became the target of the issue which it really yeah, is not <laughs> the issue at all yeah that's exactly what ends up happening is that the arts ends up they end up getting scapegoated mm -hmm. um for you know things like providing education and providing social support um we would much rather kind of point the finger at what's you know more obvious or what requires less effort on our part you know to, to just blame something else as opposed to realize that it's more of a, a social issue as a whole right that like you know we as a society will have to make the decision to you know like to not um what's the word that i'm looking for social change isn't something that happens you know just from a couple of individuals right yeah exactly <laughs> it's a grand yeah. movement <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But. So I'm glad we tackled that in Inception. But well, one thing is that I'm fairly positive that the Aurora shooting happened after Inception came out because Inception came out in 2010. Oh. I'm pretty sure that the Aurora shooting happened when Dark Knight Rises came well, out. Well, that's but very convenient. That being said, <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, I mean, I certainly think that there was a lot, you know. Um, well, yeah, the people who were obsessed with the, the Dark Joker Knight, and, like. I don't know. That's the other that thing. I'm a, always like, why is that yeah. pleasurable for people? Like, why did it resonate with so many people? And honestly, it like kind of disturbs me. I'm like, it's strange that we like this guy so much. Yeah. I mean, personally speaking, I've actually only seen The Dark Knight. Like, I mean, I saw it once in theater and I think I might have only seen it one other time outside of that. It's a difficult movie for me to watch and it has absolutely nothing to do with um, Heath Ledger because I, because I know that... I know that it's actually like that it's kind of a myth that it was the role that led him to mm -mm. committing suicide. We love that when story I, I don't too. Even like, think... what the hell? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I actually well, and it, that that's not. I mean, it's not true. I think yeah. people kind of realize that that it's actually not true. But um, but yeah, there's something about the character that people find kind of particularly fascinating and horrifying. And I think for that movie specifically, like that their take on the Joker was quite intense yeah. and um, like certainly caused like a visceral reaction with people because it was like. It was a very raw movie, um, and it's, for me, anyway, it was a hard movie for me to watch. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen Dark Knight Rises a handful of times. I like it because I can watch it and enjoy the villain characters because, just because of, you know, Tom Hardy's performance <laughs> in particular, but, like, there's <laughs> Batman. Um, there's, like, something that it's a little less um, raw, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's, like, it just felt more like an acting movie as opposed to like Heath Ledger's performance sure. I mean, there's, I, his performance was amazing but it was just like it was kind of hard to watch yeah, at times yeah. because it's like it's just a little bit too it's a little bit too much for me you know like I remember for me personally I remember like the first time I saw an R-rated movie it was a very big deal for me, yeah, I think, me <laughs> and too. it was like <laughs> it was a very this. big deal and it, <laughs> I know and it's funny that we had exactly the same one I've, I was, I've always thought that was really interesting which just goes to show what kind of kids we were. <laughs> but um, yeah exactly well and like my mom didn't realize it was rated R she 
she thought it was I don't know probably PG-13 or whatever she just saw it and she thought it was interesting we popped it in and then it was like very violent and very gory and I remember my mom turning to me and being like are you because I was kind of a conservative young kid which is ironic Mm -hmm. but um you know I remember her kind of being like are you okay watching this and I was like yeah no it's it's I'm fine it's interesting and um I just think that like now those just I mean it's interesting because I actually think that those distinctions are quite a bit less now but at the same time I know that in the past like the PG-13 rating is actually fairly new and those you know whatever it is but um I don't know it's it's interesting Mm -hmm. this is like kind of completely off tangent but I think if you show an R-rated movie to a kid at the wrong time like it can potentially be scarring for the rest of their life you know so it's kind of like how accessible as media versus um you know we want there to be a wide variety of art but at the same time you want to be able to curate it to your audiences Mm -hmm. I guess and so it's like it's a difficult line to draw between like what's what censorship versus what's like you can't give people just complete access you know you can't have things that aren't rated for instance or whatever and oh I, yeah i think people i think there's a fair amount of people out there who make would probably be able to make an argument that having things rated is not like they wouldn't like that like they would view that as a form of censorship right yeah but so it's kind of yeah that's interesting it's a, uh it's a it's a large topic yeah well <laughs> yeah no it's like definitely like this huge thing to tackle um mm-hmm yeah, I have no answers for it to be honest. Like, <laughs> like it's such a, anyway. I go back and forth on the censorship thing all the time because it's like I, yeah. I really do think that in order for it's... us to progress as a society and everything, everyone mm-hmm. needs to be able to like kind of have their two cents and like understand that you know you're you don't experience everything. There's people who are gonna just know mm-hmm. more about certain subjects than you, um, mm-hmm. and like. So I think it's valuable to have an outside perspective on those experiences as well as an inside one. I do think the inside mm-hmm. one is probably a little more valid. Like, um, I mean, this is probably a little like different than what you're talking about, but um, yeah, I don't know. And so I do think people need to say what they need to say, if only to like have it out there, and so we can have a discussion mm-hmm. about it and like hopefully come to a more moral, uh, socially acceptable, this rational conclusion about it or something. Um, yeah, nothing changes I, I, if you don't I, have a conversation or yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with and well and I maybe this is probably a good place to transition into something else to talk about, but I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that until we've reached a point where the average person is able to have a rational like analytical conversation right. that that's that's not really possible. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I guess because I think that I think that I think that most people their opinions are so deeply rooted inside of them that it's very difficult to have a rational conversation with somebody who would rather scream at you about how wrong you are yeah. because they have absolutely no interest in engaging in a right. in a smart and we conversation. Need to, like teach people yeah. how to argue and like how to yeah how to have a conversation yeah. how to uh yeah how to argue how to engage it with different viewpoints than your own kind of a thing. Right. You know, I think that um and that's interesting because I think that I, no, I totally agree. I think that that's a much, like, you you want to... Because you, I mean, I think it's a lot of You want to emotion. be able to hear people's, yeah, perspectives and stuff. But I think, well, and then that's one of the first things that people will say when you're having debates is that you can't get emotional about mm-hmm. it because it'll just completely ruin the... And that's, I mean, I think that's true. If you're trying to have a rational conversation with somebody, if the, the sooner you jump into emotional reaction, the harder the conversation gets to have. Right. And especially if you have two people coming at each other from 
deeply emotional right. areas. Um, well, yeah, if you feel so like, strongly about something, it's just very easy to like jump to attacks. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, like exactly. you're like, I, you know, I've definitely done this before. I'm not exempt where it's like literally I've just been <laughs> no, like, of course. what the fuck? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> how could you think that? You know what I mean? And instead of trying to fully understand, because yeah. like in my mind, I'm like, well, that, you're that's, literally that's saying human nature. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, like the, but you realize that everyone has their reasoning for everything most of the time. Yeah. Um, it just takes like some reflective thought. Uh, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we've spent half an hour talking about a lot of very deep topics right off. The it top. is well, it's a it's a <laughs> it's a good conversation. That's why I I didn't really yeah. like this movie. I mean, I didn't like dislike it. It was fun, but I didn't like really um, enjoy it until I sort of thinking about it that way and like that kind of that makes like, sense. oh this yeah. movie like it's kind of deep and i do like that it suggests that filmmakers kind of have like a, an impact or social responsibility and like need mm-hmm. to be careful about what they say like i think that generally like you should you know what i mean like just be careful with what you say you don't know like the impact it has mm-hmm. um you know so try to be thoughtful and like that being said like if you fuck up like so people are allowed to criticize you and you can take yeah, that and if you you, you could take that or not that's like your choice but people are allowed to say oh that's shit or oh dude like that's a really dangerous um opinion you got there you know yeah exactly something that i something that i thought about that i don't know if you had um that the the emotional journey for Cobb is i find really interesting um and one way like how i've come to really appreciate the movie is kind of looking at it as his own personal journey of catharsis Mm. um and kind of like i i became really interested in what shame and grief and regret can do to people yeah and how it can push you into i mean and i guess we we touched on this on the episode for Lawland a little bit um kind of mistakenly viewing the past as being better than the present right. but i think f- specifically for this movie it's like he is so filled with shame and regret um, over inadvertently causing the death of his wife that he is completely delusioned into thinking that he's somehow going to be able to change the past or he's like torturing himself by reliving the past over and over again to the point where his wife is just constantly with him yeah but she's become but she's become this like malevolent creature which i find really fascinating like she she becomes essentially the antagonist of the film purely through his sense of regret like yeah and i think that that's really powerful that um that the shame that we carry about things will turn those events or the shame that we carry about other people like it'll turn the way that we view those things into like it just it's just it's self-harm in that sure, regard yeah, they're, it's um, dangerous <laughs> Yeah, and so it's, you know, I started thinking about that and looking at, like, his relationship with Ariadne, you know, I think was a very, like, like she, um, in the Greek mythology, Ariadne is the woman who, oh, I'm trying to remember, I think it's, per I can't remember if it's Perseus or Theseus, I think it's Perseus, or Theseus, it's one <laughs> of those two, um, who she helps guide him out of the Minotaur's labyrinth. Oh. Um, and so I think she, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a direct reference into the sense that she's helping guide Cobb out of his own, the, like, like, labyrinth that he's maze. constructed like, for he himself. Asked her to draw yeah. That's a really cool reference. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting when I thought about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. That's like a, later a on. really cool, like, thing I never really thought about in the movie, which I think that's 
Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think... Well, and then for me, I guess it led me into thinking about, um, okay, so what if this... Like, what if you could... Like, what if you could dream share? What if you could... Like, what if we had this technology? I mean, the ramifications for this technology are just, like, buck wild. Yeah. Like, there's so much that could go wrong with this technology, to be perfectly honest. I don't think anybody would choose to live in reality, given this technology. Huh. I mean, you can make the comparison to virtual reality, too. It's being developed now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's like, we're not quite... We're not quite there. We're there, but we're not quite there. We <laughs> but, will be. I mean, what's fascinating is that we're definitely going to be. Right. That's I mean, what, like, what's cool about science fiction, is yeah. we can explore these ideas before they're, like, really even... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess really that prevalent. <laughs> yeah, I try to get people thinking about the ramifications before it actually yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think you said that, um, well, I guess in the movie they said they developed the technology for, like, soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard that, like... Unless they use video games for that reason, also. I, I mean, yeah, no, me I, that, I think but, that they do. So that's an interesting like comparison too. Is like again with the virtual yeah. reality. Reality, yeah. Because like, they don't die technically when they get shot or anything. So it's like I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess the about, like a life without really the fear of death or the fear of consequence, like. Yeah, I could imagine that would probably be like a an interesting like thing to think about. Is like how does that affect our brain and like. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I, I do, kind of think about and worry a little bit. Where I did the virtual reality, the PlayStation one, and it was like kind of like jarring <laughs> at first. You're like, whoa, okay, mm-hmm. and it feels very different than just holding a controller, looking at a screen. And I wonder, like, yeah. if when it gets to the point that we are like shooting people in virtual reality and all this stuff, like, what what's that effect mm-hmm. going to have? It is, yeah, it is extremely different than. Well, I've never done VR, but it's extremely different. I would imagine it's extremely different than um, using a controller. Like, there's a certain level of detachment with the controller. But at the same time, um, I mean, the, the, and people have, you know, demonstrated that through studies with, like, the, um, you know, people in the army who use the drones or the bomb strikes mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, they don't they don't feel a personal connection. Whereas if you're, if you're suddenly put in the position of actually being in that, you know, in that jet that drops bombs, it's a very different thing. Um, right. Like, I feel like at Whereas, least in like, dream sharing, like, you're basically looking right at that person and seeing their yeah, reaction. So it's interesting because I, I think it could go one of two ways. I think it could be you have people who, so, like, say, for instance, that we have this technology and it's being developed in the, in the mili- in, for military purposes or whatever. Like, you would, you'd probably have people that would be upset because they're having to simulate murdering people in a very realistic way. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think that there are people who would turn out to be sociopaths. Yes. <laughs> who, who like okay, now they're able to... But the harder they it is to separate between reality yeah. and, you know, not. I think it's... Yeah, and it's, um, I mean, and, and that's not the norm, but I think that, you know... When people argue about video game violence leaking into real life violence, like, that's not completely unfounded. Like, that genuinely happens. It's just not... That's not how it is for most people who play video, like the majority of people who play video games. So I, what I find really interesting is that if you were to, like, when VR becomes massively popular and all of a sudden we've got you know COD for VR or whatever, like I have no idea what that's gonna Mm -hmm. be like for the larger societal ramifications because it's like, I don't know. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think. One more thing I'll bring up just yeah, like, really can... quick, though. Okay. Um, I remember I, we actually talked a little bit about this when I was in college, this movie. Um, 
And a girl mentioned that she was writing a paper about how she believed it was about like a fear of mental illness and not necessarily mentally ill people, hmm. but like the fear that of becoming mentally ill. And that's interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. I thought it was kind of interesting because he's like, you talked about the huh. repression and grief yeah. and all that and how she kind of became dangerous and how. He yeah. Was I mean, I'd function. have to, I'm not, I'd have to, I, I don't know, like specifically, I think that, I mean, I imagine there's probably a couple of ways that you could go about that. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you see Maul as the physical representation of your, like, of Cobb's mental illness, or if you see Cobb fearing, or, or, or maybe this per I don't know, maybe this person wrote their paper about, like, the, what Cobb says about ideas as being kind of a metaphor for mental illness. yeah. Like, that you, you get the idea in your head, and then you're unable to get rid of it. Um, so I, there's a lot of, I mean, I think that's really interesting. I'd have to, I mean, there's merit to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's definitely, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I mean, I okay. Well, so maybe I can use this to lead into what I was going to cover as my 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 kernel of truth. Um, because I guess I already kind of talked about it. I cheated, but um, I was anyway. I'll just I'll, for my kernel of truth, I was going to say that. Um, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of self evident, but like living with regret is. Living with regret is bad, Emily. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, no. Um, I think that people, and I, I guess I'm speaking as a person who's definitely experienced this myself, but I think that a lot of people don't fully, I think people underestimate what shame and grief can truly do to a person. Yeah. And so I think it's really interesting to look at those aspects of the movie from the perspective of mental illness because i think um i think people who are predispositioned to mental illness are certainly struggle with regret and with shame a lot maybe a lot more than most people would um because those sensations are so much more like they're amplified in your head um, yeah but i don't know i mean that it's something that i really latched onto this time around when i watched the movie that i think it's it's just like living like living with shame and like having it consume you it it goes along with like this kind of like illusion that you can go into the past and change things and i think that living that way it's just like it's so detrimental to your health because because you can't because you can't go into the past to change anything much like Cobb can't change what actually happened with his wife like regardless of whether or not you believe he was he was dreaming or he wasn't dreaming or whatever like that whatever it was it already happened and he's just like reliving the moments over and over in his head and torturing himself thinking that he's like almost he's like bargaining with his own internal version of his wife trying to control her and make her his memory of her into something that just it's never gonna exist like how he wants and so he more or less like i mean he he comes to retribution at the end of the movie and he reaches the point of catharsis which is which is wonderful and i just i think so many individuals like don't let themselves get to that point of catharsis where they start either forgiving themselves or they start truly trying to understand why they feel the way that they do um and you know start trying to to look at the situation in a larger context as opposed to um being so focused on how you feel about things, it's very difficult to like get past 
your initial like but i feel bad about this um so yeah so shame and regret are bad (laughs) (laughs) very nice no i liked it It it's good um yeah i guess what i take (laughs) out of this movie as my kernel of truth i would just say um be careful be thoughtful about what you're putting out into the world um you Mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on someone else said you really don't know other people and so you really don't know the effects they're kind of they're going to have on you like there's Mm -hmm. things that you know something very flippant that someone might have said that just like eats away at me like 10 years later or something you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and it's of course it's not like they're trying to do that no one's like trying to do that but just to take a moment to be thoughtful about what you're saying what you're putting out there um what your, what your message is, what your goal is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really think it's important to have a, you know, a, a goal in life, what you think is important, and to kind of live by that. And if you're, you know, expressing something, try to make sure everything you do is kind of in service to it. Um, you know, you're yeah. going to slip up sometimes, obviously. Like, But I think, you know, there's you got to give yourself a purpose to living in that sense um mm-hmm. yeah so that's my yeah thing. like it's kind of about um choosing to go about your life like consciously aware right. that the things that you do are going to impact other people and as long as you're trying to have a good impact on other people like you're going to make mistakes and that's everybody's going <laughs> to there's a Miley Cyrus yeah, it's, song right, like, just be... everybody's going to make mistakes <laughs> everybody <laughs> makes mistakes <laughs> but um, yeah just be uh, in anyway. service to your own values <laughs> yeah. and um you know, if you feel like you fucked up, then you acknowledge that and grow from it. So on. Yeah, so forth. and when people tell you you fucked up, like don't get right. hyper defensive about right, it. Right. Well, people are allowed to criticize you, and you know, if people say like mm-hmm. you that really hurt me, or I, you know, what I think what you said is dangerous, or um, you know, places where they're like feeling, well, you know, they may even just be like straight up angry at you and be like you Mm -hmm. fucking blah and you'd understand that they're (laughs) like coming they're usually coming from a place that is afraid or like reasonably reasonably angry at least in their own mind Mm -hmm. and so to understand that i think is more effective and productive for both yourself and just the general society um and yeah and so yeah you know accept criticism take that and try to put it towards whatever value system you have hopefully those values are good ones <laughs> killing people is yeah, not a value no. <laughs> well yeah exactly yeah no i like that i think it's good yeah and uh not to like co-opt your kernel of truth or whatever but um, nah, co-sign it man get it <laughs> uh i think that that's an in- like an interesting way to kind of use that to look at the movie is that i think with with Cobb, you know like his how he accidentally killed his wife for lack of a better phrase Mm -hmm. um like he was doing it out of love i mean he he loved this person more than anything and he he was trying to save her essentially and i think that that really goes to show that even when you're doing or saying something that you really think is going to be in this other person's best interest or like even even if you're going with the absolute 100 like best intentions in your heart like I think people have to realize that the things that you say and like your actions, I don't know, this is how I always imagine it. It enters like this ether area mm-hmm. and then it goes into the other person. And then there's like that middle part where you don't have control over 
what you've said or done and the how the person takes in your actions or what you say is completely it has almost as has absolutely nothing to do with your intentions and sure, so yeah it's like i think as long as you're honest about your intentions um that that's the most you can do and then if people are i think if people are misinterpreting your intentions even when you're being honest then, then you need to figure out how your intentions are coming out because then you're not in service to your values if your intentions are not yeah being, or um, understood i mean I, yeah or i think it's even i mean i think it's even possible that sometimes people just have a lack of understanding yeah sometimes. that's true absolutely um, and then you know like maybe you need to explain it to it differently i don't know it, it yeah, all depends or on the situation the context it's all, yeah it's all about like i don't know i'm big on just like having convert i mean if i'm to apply this to kind of like relationship advice i'm big on just having conversations and shit sometimes you have conversations with people it just it's not gonna work <laughs> and so you have to kind of like you know you just um yeah you have to understand that even when you're doing things that are like you think are gonna be good for other people sometimes it's really not and sometimes you kind of have to just let go of that and some i mean hopefully you never make the kind of mistake that's going to directly lead to somebody dying but right, right, right. i would argue in the case of Cobb that regardless of what he was going to do hit like maul was gone the minute that they got down there like it was like that's who she was and yeah. so there was no way he's going to be able to fix that oh huh, that's interesting and so just as much as his shame is about the fact that he did this thing that then led to her killing herself it's also that he needs to understand that like she was capable of making her own decision as well and she wasn't going to come back up with him otherwise i mean she wasn't going to she didn't want to and like that was her choice and so yeah it's horrible that she then turned around and died but i mean it's like i don't know it's it's interesting like it's a it was a complicated situation no I yeah guess. i really I like know. that actually <laughs> you're bringing out so, all kinds of know. layers of this movie uh no i liked all of that thought we learned a lot today <laughs> <laughs> that's what we try to do over here on our small corner of the internet <laughs> <laughs> wherever but, that may be we'll discover when this yeah. comes out <laughs> okay but well this is probably a good time to sign off yep um thank you everybody yeah. for listening if you happen to listen like all the way through yeah <laughs> i know it's amazing we love you we love you all we have a fan base clearly all yeah. two people who listen to this <laughs> probably lauren and that's about yeah it. lauren if you're out there <laughs> okay so. well I, do we have a sign off yeah, you just say your name. Okay, well, I'm Emily. <laughs> I'm Dora. This has been Ponders Over Popcorn, and have a good night.